What up, Tony G Nation? Another episode of the Tony G Show, Season 6, Episode 7. Ready to get going here. My friend Will McCormick in today. Hi, Will. How you doing? I'm doing good, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm awesome. Tony G, the host of the Tony G Show. Oh, you are? Um, yes, I am. Okay. It's, not, it's not you. I was confused um, there for a sec. Yeah. I mean, you like to think you are sometimes, but you know, just back it off a little bit. Will suggested to me before the show started today, he said, are we doing an outside show today? <laughs> I said, I don't know, man. We should. We should have. We should have. Missed opportunity. It's like 70 degrees warmer than it was last week at this time. Yeah. It's it what, like 30 degrees now? It was uh, 45 last I checked. Wow, and today? It was, and it was negative like 25 with wind chill like last wow, week. I haven't been paying attention to the temperatures that closely. But yeah, that's a whirlwind from what we're used to. Right. I mean, the last three weeks, it's been under 10 it's degrees. Quite literally a 70 degree change in yeah, weather. A big flip. Yeah, yeah. Sunny outside today. We got the window cracked here in Tony G Studios. Surprised you can't hear the fans out there screaming. Yeah, the they audience know. is just, oh man. Now we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> the audience out there today is just... Uh, waiting for us to get this show rolling, and as a matter of fact, so are we. We'll preview the show here to start off. We're going to talk about the Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts move that was made about a week ago. I think it was last Thursday or Friday. Then we're going to talk about Kevin Mather and the Seattle Mariners. That story broke just yesterday. Um, big story there. Kevin Mather, the president and CEO of the Seattle Mariners organization, stepped down yesterday after dialogue that he had with someone was released in which he was talking about the future of potential players we'll talk about that significance uh in the second segment of the tony g show and then we're gonna cap the show off talking about jamal williams and the green bay packers he went on the show called nfl now on nfl.com talked about his potential free agency talked about if he'd like to stay a packer or not so we're gonna dive into that what the packers should do at the running back position, or or all over. A little bit of a Packers discussion. I want to get to this, though. Right as Will McCormick was making his walk over to Tony G Studios to record this episode of the Tony G Show, news story broke, okay, February 23rd, 2021. And this is per TMZ now. This is the headline. Tiger Woods injured in a single car crash in Los Angeles, extracted with the jaws of life. And on, on this website, again, this is TMZ Sports or, or TMZ.com, the picture of the car, it is pretty bad. I mean, it's on mm-hmm. its side. It looks like it's in the ditch. Uh, the back of the car is messed up. The front of the car is heavily messed up. I mean, it's totaled. It's totaled. That car is not going to work ever again. But more importantly, the health of Tiger Woods, he's still alive as of right now, and hopefully that continues. This is per TMZ Sports. They talked to Mark Steinberg. Tiger Woods' agent, he said that Tiger has sustained multiple leg injuries and is currently in surgery. That was about 20 minutes ago from when we are recording this Tony G episode. Huge, huge news story. And you know how news stories go right as some news breaks. It's always some speculation about what went wrong, this or that. And it's always premature. There's never any weight to it. Um, But TMZ Sports says they do not believe alcohol was involved, but they did not say whether any other substance was possibly involved in they being the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. So they're ruling out alcohol, but they're not ruling out any other substances here. And if you remember, in 2017, he was arrested after cops found him passed out behind the wheel of his car. And Tiger said he had taken prescription medication uh, before the accident and didn't realize uh, the effects the meds would have on him in that 2017 incident. So, you know, you don't want to speculate and we're not going to say anything is certain here, but just, you know, our first reaction, good thing alcohol wasn't involved. Hopefully it's nothing mm-hmm. more than that. I Hopefully it was just an accidental accident. Right. But either way, currently in surgery still for multiple leg injuries uh, and currently in surgery, you know, there is worry about the future of his career. That's what I was going to ask. You hope... You hope he's still able to stick around and play golf, but more importantly, you hope he stays alive. You hope this wasn't that critical of an accident. Right. I mean, we really don't know much. I mean, that happened, like you said, 20 minutes ago Yeah. as I was walking over here. 11.52 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 1.52 our time in Central Standard Time. So, I mean, this is like fresh news story. I don't want to say, you know, we're breaking the story, but... 
how many sources have you heard this from? I mean, I, 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 <laughs> all right, now we're just getting selfish here on the Tony G show. No, seriously, uh, important news story. We're going to stay on top of it here as we record this episode of the Tony G show mm-hmm. and give you any updates. I mean, I know the show isn't live, but you know, we'll update as we, as we see fit as the show moves on and maybe even discuss it on Thursday if we need to. Let's get back to this specific episode. Before we do, though, I wanted to talk about this. Last Thursday's episode, Will. Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Uh, what did we do again? Interviewed Tim Ball. Oh, that's right. Yeah, St. Yeah. Norbert College Athletics Director. It was an amazing interview. It was great. Tim was insightful. He was thoughtful. He was very open and transparent. He didn't hide from any questions. And we felt like we asked him some pretty good questions. We brought up a lot of good topics and a lot of interesting facts about his career and his life. And he even told us after he retires, Mm -hmm. in which he said specifically a few of them he had never mentioned before or or hasn't mentioned publicly. So Tony G got some of the first, (laughs) I mean, I just, I can't help but smile. We're not even going to share what it is because we want you to go listen to the episode. Go listen to the episode. I mean, really, this isn't for our benefit that we want you to listen. Listen to educate yourself on who Tim is as a person, who he is as an athletic director, what he's going to do after he retires. And even a few of those questions were about the intricacies of being an athletic director at a collegiate program, differences between Division One and Division Three. It was a very well, well done interview. You know, I don't want to toot our own horn here, but, you know, we did try to be as professional as possible. And it was a very, very great interview. I enjoyed doing it. I'm sure you did too, Will. Uh, Tim was very good. Thanks again to him for coming around and doing that. That's something I hope we do a lot more of. Mm-hmm. We need to start interviewing some people. That was we fun. do. Yep, yep. All right, let's get into this episode. Remember, Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays. This is episode number ninety-four of the Tony G Show, inching closer. Episode number one hundred. Uh, but yeah, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify as well. Twitters at Willis five three one two on Twitter, at Tony G Show on Twitter. We say, do we get into it? Yeah. I mean, we might as well. We've talked eight <laughs> minutes already without getting into the episode. Way behind schedule. I mean, let's get into it. Tony G Show. Tony G Nation. Let's get going here. Segment number one. Let's talk about this Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts trade. Good move or no for both the Eagles and the Colts? Well, I suppose this segment we're more or less going to be focusing just on the Colts. We're not really going to look into the Eagles situation. I mean, we can a little bit, but we already know. You know, it's going to be Jalen Hurts at the helm. All right, what else is there to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're going to be mentioning one other move that the Eagles made that could play into uh, the Colts moving forward into next season. Before we do, let's break down this trade uh, between the Eagles and Colts. The Eagles will receive the 85th overall pick in this year's draft and a conditional second rounder that could become a first rounder based on Carson Wentz's playing time. Um, According to certain sources that are out there reporting on this trade, Wentz needs to play at least 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps for 2022 in order for that conditional pick to convey to a first-rounder. Let's talk about some of the uh, money floating around in this trade. The Eagles are going to take a $33.8 million cap hit. That's the largest dead cap hit that any team has ever taken, by the way, for a player. An unbelievable amount of money because of how much they paid Carson Wentz and apparently how bad Mm -hmm. the situation got in Philadelphia. I mean, it's becoming more apparent as this trade was made, as Doug Peterson wanted out, Carson Wentz wanted out. And it was just kind of an all-around bad situation, kind of a nasty breakup, if you will, between the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Furthermore, the Colts are going to assume the balance of Wentz's $128 million extension. I mean, that that's pretty much saying that he's going to be our guy for the next coming seasons. And mm-hmm. I know the contract already kind of says that, but to take on that big of a contract, to take on this type of money when you were already in the playoffs last season, I mean, this is saying we're not going to rebuild, we're not going to try to 
do too much draft here or there. We're going to take on Carson Wentz, and he's going to be our guy for the next couple years, and we plan to make deep playoff runs into the postseason. Yeah, and I actually, I very, I very much agree with that statement. Okay. Um, just looking at, uh, we're going to compare, I'm looking at 2019 stats for uh, Carson Wentz. He threw 27 touchdowns on seven interceptions. That's not great. But that's good play. That's not bad. That's no. that's that's a decent play. What do you think uh, Philip Rivers' stats were this season with the uh, Indianapolis Colts? Oh man, I yeah, in know terms they're of touchdown less, interception. They're less impressive. The touchdown to interception ratio. I'm going to go ahead and say twenty-one and fourteen. He threw twenty-four touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Yeah. Yep. So that's not like I mean, when you I understand that touchdowns and interceptions are like just a portion of oh, yeah. the statistics for quarterback it, sure. that still shows. I think this Indianapolis team is much stronger than the Philadelphia team. Much stronger. You know, it's interesting that you bring up this stat, Will, because yeah, Carson Wentz has a better to touchdown to interception ratio. But I remember the episode we did last season after the Eagles and Giants played. And I said Carson Wentz was playing like a rookie quarterback, making rookie mistakes, rookie throws, and he fumbles the football a lot. So I get that Phillip Rivers has turned the ball over a lot, been essentially a turnover machine in the last couple seasons Very... that where he ended his career, especially interceptions. Right, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying that touchdowns and interceptions are the only thing that a quarterback has right, to bring right. to the table. Like um, in 2019, Carson Wentz had 64% completion percentage, while Phillip Rivers in this most recent season had 68%. So that, yeah. that, that's a big deal too. Um, the only reason I'm not comparing the 2020 Carson Wentz stats is because he didn't play the full season. Yep. Um, so that's only the reason why I'm not bringing that into the table because his this season was much worse for Carson Wentz. He had 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, which is yeah. terrible. But See, but I honestly like I'm honestly I feel like Wentz is gonna thrive with the Colts. Cause yeah. It, do you think Do you think Philip Rivers is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz? Um, I'm gonna answer that second just to talk okay. about the other thing that you said. We're gonna talk about the Wentz and Colts fit here coming up. Let's say five minutes. We'll put it. Timestamp on it of about five minutes. And the question you asked about Philip Rivers, who who I think is a better quarterback? Yeah. Just based on the last couple seasons, they both haven't been impressive, but it's definitely been Carson Wentz over Phil Philip Rivers. I, I would oh, say maybe not. I would say athletic ability, I would take Carson Wentz, but I don't know like I mean it's Phillip a Rivers weird, is it's a weird happy medium with Philip Rivers, you know? Right. Cause like he's been a turnover machine. But I mean he got to the playoffs this year. They got that's what I'm. You that's kind of what, I mean? what I'm. That's what I'm trying to get at. So like this, this Colts team went 11 and five with Philip Rivers. Yeah. I would. I mean, I just I feel like at this point in his career, Carson Wentz is like a younger Philip Rivers. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. Like if you were going to compare Carson Wentz right now to another quarterback, yeah. The most viable option would probably be Philip Rivers. I would say that probably Wentz can throw the ball a little bit better, but yeah. statistically speaking. And, and dominance in the game, I feel like Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz are very comparable, and yeah. the only difference is that Wentz is much younger. Yeah. Yep. Much I mean, they're, younger. They're both susceptible to turning the ball over at a rate that you don't want out of a quarterback. No. Especially Phillip Rivers in the last three years. I remember we dived, we took a dive into his stats, and there were just unbelievable amounts of turnovers. But then we did the same thing to Carson Wentz last season in the Tony G show. And it was like, wow, this guy turns the ball over a lot too. <laughs> so it's you're right. It's essentially a younger Phillip Rivers. Maybe, oh, I was going to say a more mobile quarterback. Remember, he tore his ACL in 2017. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes too. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this fit though. Carson Wentz, Indianapolis Colts, let's get there. I'll be honest. I didn't love the trade at first. I've come around to it in days since. But at first I thought... You know, the Colts were only one piece away from getting into a deep run into the playoffs. They can get to the playoffs, but now they need a piece to get deep into the playoffs. And at first, I thought, you need to draft a quarterback. Why not draft a quarterback? But then it takes a year or two to develop. And then at that point, Jonathan Taylor's contract is up. Marlon Mack's contract is up. You're going to start having to pay your offensive linemen, your defense. I've come around to Carson Wentz coming to Indianapolis. I, f I think it was a great move for the Indianapolis Colts. This could be the one piece that they were missing. About the, the, the lack of impressive stats for Carson Wentz in the last couple seasons, let me throw this out there. 
Let's look at the coaching staff for the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich, head coach. Eagles offensive coordinator in 2016 and 17. Mm. The year, 2017, that Wentz was an MVP caliber type player until he tore his ACL. That was also the year that they got the Super Bowl win over the Patriots. And then he came to Indianapolis to be the head coach. And now Carson Wentz is here. I think it could be an amazing fit for Carson Wentz back with Frank Wright, trying to get Wentz back to his MVP ways. And, you know, I'm not jumping the gun here. I still hold him accountable for the rookie-like play that he had last season. It was terrible. You're in a terrible division. You played terrible. It's on you as a quarterback. And I'm not going to get into, you know, a backwards hat type of guy, um, according to one of the popular sources out there that everybody likes to listen to for sports talk. I'm not going to get into that aspect of it. I just, right now on the field, I think it could be an amazing fit for Carson Wentz to get back to his roots, to find the source of his good, productive play. Instead of being in toxic Philadelphia yes. where they trying to push yes. him out the door, yes. where the head coach isn't happy, this is going to be a lot better situation for Carson Wentz. Great trade overall. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the the analysis on the toxic fan base. I feel like Indianapolis fans are generally pretty positive. Yep, I I've never I've, good. <laughs> I've never met a, a Colts fan who I didn't enjoy being around. I can almost guarantee that. While I can name about eight Philadelphia <laughs> fans that I dislike yeah. a lot. Well, it's it's also the East Coast type of thing. You know, fans are like that. Giants fans are like that. I'm sure Jets fans are like that too. Mm-hmm. But and, and but, I know and I know Philly fans that I'm like best friends with too. So there's, you know, it's right. it's all relative. But historically and generally speaking, Philadelphia fans that market is a little more cutthroat than any other market in sports. That New York is pretty tough. Uh, I've heard Dallas can be pretty rough as well. It is what it is. And to get out of that headspace for Carson Wentz, I think just to start over. No, it's not even about Philly. It's just for Carson Wentz to start over. And I mean, same thing about Doug Peterson, wherever he ends up. But this isn't a Doug Peterson conversation. I get that. It's good for Carson Wentz to go somewhere. Like I said, get in touch with a coach that was his offensive coordinator the year he almost or or could have won the MVP until he got injured. A year they did win the Super Bowl. Like I said, he's going to get back to his roots. This is going to be a different Carson Wentz coming up this season, I think, than what we've seen the last three years. Since, by the way, Frank Reich has been gone. Since Frank Reich left Philly for Indianapolis, that's when we kind of see the downward trend in Philadelphia in their offensive production. Speaking about offensive production, let's look at the future of the Indianapolis Colts. Who do they have? How about a guy like Zach Pascal, wide receiver, you know, a good wide receiving core, However, remember that move I kind of alluded to earlier in this segment about the move that Philadelphia made? Well, it just came out that they released Elshon Jeffrey, the Eagles. Really? Mm. Could that be a potential pickup for the Indianapolis Colts to pair with Carson Wentz? I'm, just, You know, yeah, this is no, pure you're, speculation. You're, you're, you're right. I think this is going to be a good fit for Elshon Jeffrey as well. This... Guys who've had chemistry and experience with each other. Yeah. That could be an interesting pickup, I think. I, I honestly think this Colts team coming up to this next season is going to be lethal. I agree. I You know, obviously barring... Or at least their I, offenses. Their defense was incredible last season. Oh, yeah. Philly's defense has been terrible the last five seasons. So you put Wentz on a team where he doesn't have to be Superman 24-7. Yeah. And I think he could be Superman, but I think he needs a little bit of confidence. Yeah. He needs to build it up a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. after the last couple seasons he's had. But you're right. He doesn't have to be Superman. I don't know that he technically had to be in Philadelphia. No, you know, They but, had Miles Sanders and guys right. like that. But I get what you're saying. The pressure was definitely on him. Like I said, they were trying to push him out the door, right. drafting Jalen Hurts. I mean, Doug Peterson wasn't happy there. In terms of Indianapolis, though, him in Indianapolis, let's look at the tools that he has. I mentioned Zach Pascal, the wide receiver in Indy that I really like. How about their running back core? Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, nasty. Remember how we've talked about earlier in this season it takes a good two-headed monster at the running back position out of the backfield? At least two. To make a good offense? All the good offenses have it. Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl this year. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Who's your third? LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy, that's right. I forget about him. Right. How about the team they beat, the Chiefs? (laughs) How about 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell. The Browns, Nick Chubb. You see what I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. I mean, you do need the two-headed monster. And granted, you're not going to have them for very long. Jonathan Taylor has three years left on the rookie deal after he just had his rookie season. Marlon Mack doesn't have the most time left. You know, he spent a couple seasons in Indianapolis, and his time could be running out. This is the season to capitalize via the Indianapolis Colts. Don't – I'm going to predict right now. I'm going to predict right now. Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis Colts, AFC Championship. Yeah, if they don't face each other in the rounds prior to that, I, I could see that. I could actually what do you see think? that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, that's not crazy because, in my opinion, I haven't seen anything that Philip Rivers can do that Carson Wentz can't. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, honestly, that's a good point. If if you have a if you have evidence of that, you can tweet it to me. I'd love to see it at Willis five three one two, or at Tony G. But I have yet to see something that. Philip Rivers can do that Carson Wentz cannot. That's a good point. And Carson Wentz does add a little bit different of an element than Philip Rivers cannot bring, and that's youth. Mm-hmm. However, on the flip side, what about this, Will? Philip Rivers brings experience. That's true. That is oh. very true. Oh. Leadership. What do you value? But right. now the Colts have had both, or, or have had one and are going to have another. But could you argue, I mean, that at some point, or in some respect, uh, Wentz has some sort of experience i mean obviously he's yeah. not as yeah, experienced but i mean he was almost an mvp right he he was my vote for mvp in the 2017 season before he got injured he was he was my pick then he got injured la i'll never forget it i was watching at work yep la parkside village i was a dietary aid nursing home yep <laughs> a lot of work i was doing spending time around the tv no it was in between meals because i worked in the kitchen and i was watching some football carson Wentz went in dive into the end zone leg went one way Ooh, yep, yeah. yep. I, I will never forget watching that because he was my pick, and he was running away in my heart as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I was really on the Carson Wentz train, mm-hmm. and then that happened. And then he's had you know, kind of a downfall in season since. But, yeah, just to kind of recap this argument, great fit, great fit. I think it's going to work out very well for the Indianapolis Colts. And just to – Again, kind of speculate on the Eagles and what they're going to do. It's going to be Jalen Hurts. We all know it. It's going to be Jalen Hurts, the head of the helm down there. They're going to have a new head coach. They're going to have a new wide receiving core. It's going to take a couple of years to build up to be competitive, although it is the NFC East. I do think, however, as I mentioned that, as I make that comment, that remark, you know, Dallas did put up like 50 points a game when Dak, Peter, Dak Prescott was healthy. Right. <laughs> and then he got injured, and then it was like, you know, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be the Cowboys division for the next couple of seasons until Philadelphia kind of figures it out, until the Giants can kind of figure it out. Maybe even the Washington football team. That's going to be, you know yeah. what? This division's going to flip on its head in it the is. next couple of seasons. It, it, is. it really will. Yeah. I'm confident in that. I think the football team can make a run for the, for the lead of the division. And they're not even going to be the football team in the next couple of seasons. That's I think right. they're trying to come up with something this offseason for their uh, logo. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. This division, man, I'm telling you, for as much flack as we have given it in the last couple for, seasons of the Tony as, G Show. Yeah, as boring as it is. Yep, for as much as we have just grilled it. I'm I'm confident in saying it's going to flip on its head. It's going to be a very good, very tough division moving forward. I'd love to play in that division. <laughs> yeah, competitive. How America's would you like to be team. a fan? I would not like to be a fan. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, tough division. Tough to, tough to live, tough to skate by. No, but I, I agree. I, I think I think that division's going to flip on its head. I'm confident in that. I think the Colts are going to thrive. Let's look at their division. Texans, junk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jaguars, junk. junk. <laughs> I mean, come on, who's the real competition? Who's the last one? Titans. Titans. Oh, oh the Titans are decent. They're decent, yeah. But good. if you stop Derrick Henry, then you're good. Yep, and that's it. Because... Ryan Tannehill's average to below average, I think. Mm-hmm. Below average to average. That's the way you want to put it. Nonetheless, if you stop Derrick Henry, you give yourself a pretty good chance to win. And Indianapolis has the defense to do that, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, if they nail this draft, look out. Right. Like you said, you use the word lethal, look out. They hit They hit on one guy. Their first, I think if they make their two, their first two round picks, although they did lose one. Uh, that's right. In that trade. Let me pull this up in the Eagles received the eighty fifth overall draft pick in this year's draft. That would be a third rounder. Right? Thirty two, sixty two, and then yeah. So they still have 
I think, their first two draft picks. I, I mean, don't know that for sure, but that's okay. What is their biggest piece that they're missing, honestly, at this point? Because they have a decent wide receiving Maybe core. cornerback? But they have um, uh, uh, Xavier Rhodes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> what do they need? What What is it that they need? Maybe pass rushers? I mean, you could always use more of them. Right. That's true. I, I don't know. I regret. They, they have one of the best offensive lines in football. Top mm-hmm. three and not three. I'd say top two. So, yeah, what, what else do they really need, Who obviously? Who is their tight end? Uh, Jack Doyle? Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle. I'm going to look think that up, right. <laughs> You know, because you're right. What are the Colts missing? Maybe a safety? I I honestly oh, don't know. Oh, they're going to be lethal. I think they're going to be... I mean, like, they, they probably could use players. Like, sure, the Packers could use another corner, but I feel like the Colts are, a, like, a somewhat solid team most or, most of the way around. Jack Doyle, Trey Burton, Mo Ali Cox. That's their top three. Don't forget Quentin Nelson. Like I said, top three offensive line in football. Right. Not three. I'd say top two. I think I've mentioned that in past seasons that I think they're the best. Wait, we forgot about T.Y. Hmm? We forgot about T.Y. Yeah, but I think he's got a, a free agency mark coming up. Pretty Does soon. he? Okay. That's why I didn't mention him. He's been in the back of my mind, but I don't know if he's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, you might not. You're right. Zach Pascal, a guy I like a lot. Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman. A lot of guys to like on that offensive uh, setup. Yeah, but it, just to kind of wrap up this discussion, we're on time here. Well, we ended up on time. Good for us. <laughs> just to kind of wrap up this discussion, let's reiterate. Carson Wentz to the Colts. I wasn't in on it. I thought the Colts needed to take a little second to build an offensive juggernaut by drafting a quarterback they might need some wide receiver help but they needed to draft a quarterback now I couldn't be more against it this was a great move because it's going to take a couple years to develop a quarterback to develop that chemistry with the wide receivers and the offensive line and the running backs and so on and they're only one piece away from making a deep run at the playoffs you know what let's do that I just got this I just got this thought in my mind here live on the Tony G show Next Thursday's episode, let's do way too early picks. What do you think? <laughs> I like that. Super Bowl. Way too early picks for way like next season. Picks. Yep. Before even free. I had that happens. conversation this weekend with my buddy Sam Fonder. Shout out to Sam. Happy birthday to Owen, by the way. It was his birthday yesterday. There we go. Shout out. Shout out to him. Yeah, I had that conversation with Sam over the weekend. We did our way too early picks. And uh, I think we should cover that on the show. Let's do way too early next Thursday. I like that. All right. Good move for the Colts. Good for Carson Wentz. I can't wait to see where they go. Segment number two in the Tony G Show. Kevin Mather, president and CEO of the Seattle Mariners organization, or I guess now former president and CEO of the Seattle Mariners organization, has stepped down yesterday after news broke about his conversa- about a conversation he had with one of his... Um, Associates. Associates. Or I, I, I don't think they ever released who the conversation was with. But he talked about guys like uh, Jared Kelenek, the talented, very talented and young outfielder that they have in that organization they got from the New York Mets. Talked about Julio Rodriguez. Talked about Kyle Seeger, their, thar- their third baseman, star third baseman. And he was talking about his displeasure with paying um, interpreters for foreign for foreign-born players. That is, I think, the one thing that has really made this blow up. Because if you're... I mean, first off, how asinine does that sound that you're not willing to pay interpreters for your foreign-born players who have trouble speaking English? I mean, how cheap can you get? Right. That's the one thing that really made this blow up. The rest of it, I don't think was that terrible. I mean, it was bad, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it was... You know, it could have been worse is what I'm saying. He could have been talking about something far more inappropriate than this. However, I don't condone what he did. So, okay. We got the disclaimer out there. He talked about, as I mentioned, those players. He talked about their contract situations. I think Jared Kelenic wanted... I think they offered Kelenic a contract extension. He's 21 years old. They wanted him in the organization for a long time. So they offered him an extension to be in the organization uh, further than what his current contract stipulates. And I think he rejected it because he's kind of banking on himself to 
be very good in the next coming years and try uh, unrestricted free agency when he's allowed to. That's kind of what I gathered from looking at the comments of Kevin Mather for, about Jared Kelenek. He made the response uh, about Julio Rodriguez. Talked even about Kyle Seeger, the third baseman who's been there for the last couple years, who's been fairly productive for them. I'm not, like I said, I'm not condoning what he did. Could have been worse. I mean, let's look at some of the bright sides. Mm-hmm. That's one of them, that it could have been worse. But another bright side, this only serves as motivation to some of these players. I mean, did you see the tweet by Julio Rodriguez? It was the Jordan meme, you know, where he has his hands up for that documentary. Uh, what was it called? The Last Dance? Yeah. And, you know, he, he says, and I took that personally. Julio Rodriguez tweeted that picture with his face cropped and <laughs> cropped over uh, Michael Jordan. His face cropped over? Yeah. Ooh. So so it's like Julio Rodriguez's face and Michael Jordan's body saying, I took that personally. So it'll only serve as motivation, really. Now, you know, there is that, that element that what if they're not in the Seattle Mariners organization? What if they don't want to play for the Mariners after this? Well. Which is very possible. Yeah. Although Kevin Mather did step down. He's gone now. So, you know, it is what it is. But that's that's a point to be to be made too. I mean, maybe they're like, well, I took that personally. Yep, I'm leaving. Yeah, and now what does that say about Jared Kelenic? He Kelenic was frustrated because he didn't get to play last season with the shortened season due to COVID. He wanted to play, and I don't think they brought him up because they wanted to save him for this year. Mm. Now, what if the Mariners use this against him? Like, well, you think you're gonna, you know, prove yourself to the MLB? What if we don't let you in? <laughs> that could be. Which they could do. It could be, and it could be an unfair situation, but life's unfair sometimes. You know, and I'm on the side of Jerry Kelnick. I want to see him do good things. I want to see him set in stone who he is. I mean, he's so young, 21, and he's so talented, just a raw hitter from the Midwest area as well. So you want to see him do good. I want to shift the discussion towards this a little bit, though. I mean, you know, this is going to serve as motivation for the players. It'll be interesting to see if they stay with Seattle. It'll be interesting to see what... The Mariners do hiring a new president and CEO after Kevin Mather steps down. It'll be interesting to see what Kevin Mather does after he stepped down. I want to talk about this discussion and how some executives around sports talk. Because, you know, and I'm not, I don't, I don't know how I want to put this. I'm not advocating for you know, spying or... Or like, not spying, but yeah, sur- or, no, surveillance is for, the same thing for as spying. making private conversations public. But when it's so utterly disrespectful and so right. utterly immature, unprofessional, and closed-minded, then it's maybe it's a good thing that this type of stuff gets released. And I'm not just talking about this. I'm talking about uh, who is the GM for the Mets that just got... oh. The Mets? Yeah, the New York Mets. Did you look that up for me? Yeah. Thanks, Will. There was um, the discussion that he was having with a female reporter, and it got very inappropriate, sending inappropriate pictures to her, kind of swarming her text messages, and trying to get her to respond and play into these games of very sexual acts and text messages and, and discussions and dialogue. And she wasn't having it. And she was afraid to release it because she was trying to make her name in the journalism world. He got put into the... Do you have it? Is it is it Jared Porter? Yes. I think that's the one. Jared Porter. That's the. It says he lost his job, right? Yeah. Yep. Jared Porter, the general manager of the New York Yep, Mets. that's the guy. He was fired Tuesday afternoon. This is the guy. Tuesday, yeah. Um, he, he was put into this position because these text messages were released. And I think it's a good thing. When it's of this caliber, I mean, you just, you deserve to get put on blast. You deserve to get put on a public pedestal and, I, I, I mean, completely blasted by the public for this. Yeah. But, I, but the point I'm making here is that for these executives to talk in the way that they talk, come on. I mean, at some point, you have to be more professional. Right. At some point, you have to realize that you are no more private a celebrity than the players are, or that an actor is, or that musicians are. 
You are now in the public eye, and everything you do will be monitored and put on blast if it's necessary. It should be. And should be. I'm not saying that it shouldn't. Like I said, I don't advocate for spying or this or that, but, I mean, in some cases, it comes in very handy. Mm-hmm. Like, right. these particular examples. I mean, it's, you have to understand that everything you say and do can be used against you in right. the public eye when you have a job of this magnitude. Right. You and have a responsibility to be professional and logical and open and mature. And the lack of maturity in these executives, how did they get their job? Mm-hmm. What background pe- checks did they pass? Who, who, what is their connection that they're landing these positions? Right. It's, it's very, you have to understand. That's, right. that's the last very, thing I'll say. Is you have to understand you're on public, public watch now. Yeah, it's very, very infuriating. I mean, these these guys come from, are they in positions of privilege? Yeah. You know, obviously they work for what they have, but in a sense they're privileged. I mean, I agree. There, there's a the whole conversation we could go into this about society and and where we where we at or where we are right now between um, genders and whatever. But the reality is is that these executives act like they're above society. Yeah. A good majority, not all. There are good people too. Oh yeah, yeah and there's people that you know no acknowledge. One's saying that there isn't good people, right? But when they take it to the point where they act above or societal above, norms, yeah, or, or, or I don't want to say above, but just they act like they don't have to. Like they're untouchable. Yeah, is what it is. They act like they're untouchable. That's where people start pulling on their privilege. Yeah, taking advantage of what they have and the positions they put themselves in. Mm-hmm. I mean it and it's such it's such a sensitive conversation to have because yeah it is you don't want to say the wrong thing right but you got to say the things that needed to be need to be said right so it's yeah it's like cuz like you and I are privileged sure yeah we're privileged in many ways oh yeah not everyone but, gets a chance to go to school right oh yeah but it's about how you it's it's kind of about how you carry yourself yeah you know yeah, treat everyone with respect and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's 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 su- it's such a sensitive topic. Yeah, it is. Here's the thing, though: it's not hard to do. No, the treats. It, it it isn't that especially hard, especially when you're in a position of power. I mean, you have to know that there's such a chance that it could come back to bite. Why would you even take the risk? And I get the Jared Porter thing; he wasn't a GM of the Mets yet, or or whatever position he had there in their front office when his text messages surfaced, but. To still even do that. I mean, even if you're like a normal person, you have to know that that I mean, is going to be saved forever. I mean, the, the Jared yeah. Porter stuff, get up on ESPN. I remember the day when that broke. and I, I watched get up on ESPN before I went to work that morning. The entire, entire conversation was on get up. They went through it. Word for word. Good. And I mean, yeah, good for them. But you have to know that that's a possibility, man. I mean, What? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, there's just no space for that that text conversation. It was grody. It was raunchy. It was cringy. It was just wrong and immature and inappropriate. But it's put on such public attention because it's a guy of power. It's a guy who it feels like he has an advantage over other people like that. Right. Oh, and, and, and it's just terrible. Yeah, I wish we were living, you know, in a just that should be known to not do that yeah you know but there's people but it, that man this is it's so it's <laughs> it's tough to talk about here we are but it's a conversation that's got to be had oh yeah at and some point by someone yeah. higher up by some higher ups than us than you right. and i, I mean, we're some just two guys on a college podcast the tony g show i mean right. we are worldwide but however it has to be had at some high level, but mm-hmm. this is—I uh, mean, come on. There's got to be something. How about like this stuff where, you know, players and <laughs> now we're really, now we're really expanding this conversation. <laughs> how about the stuff where players have old tweets resurfaced? Mm-hmm. What, dude? All right, take the hour to go through your Twitter and be like, "Wow, I said that immature thing when I was 17." Right. And delete it. Like, just do it. I mean, first off, you should shouldn't be tweeting some of the stuff that some of these players have tweeted. Regardless of what age you are, but to then keep it up as you get put into the public eye. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. All right. What do you say we liven it up a little bit here? I mean, we're getting very deep and very emotional here on the Tony G Show. That's not what we're known for. Deep, deeper, deeper level thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like to do that. <laughs> it's starting to hurt. <laughs> All Too right. Much. Let's get some good vibes going here, Will. All right. How about a guy that has the probably the most positive energy? The best course. vibes. Some of the best vibes. You know the guy, Jamal Williams, running yeah. back, Green Bay Packers, always dancing before pregames, the hair different colored, got the, you know, I mean, he's positive guy, Runs great hard. energy, you know, fun to be around. Now he finds himself in the middle of a situation for the team he plays for. The Green Bay Packers are kind of in flux with what they're going to do at the running back position right now, kind of in flux with what they're going to do in free agency as a whole. And running back position is one thing that they're looking at. Remember, they have A.J. Dillon, the stud strong bull that they drafted second round out of Boston College. Boston College, yep. I knew it was the Tan Hill, but I was thinking Florida State, but I knew that was incorrect. So they have him, the young bull, going to be there for the next three years per his contract, his rookie contract, I think. Mm-hmm. He was in the so. first rounder. I know it's four years for a first rounder. Anyways, they'll have him in the future. And now AJ, excuse me, now Aaron Jones, guy who's really proven himself as one of the most useful and productive running backs in all of football, free agent. Jamal Williams, proven himself as one of the best second running, second string running backs kind of third down running back, put your head down and run type of running backs Yeah, in the league. Doesn't fumble. Very solid hands. <laughs> As well, Laxon Wood. Yeah, good point. Here's, here's the thing, though. What are you going to do? You have these three running backs. Are you going to pay them all? What are you going to do with the rest of the positions? And so this is the situation that Jamal Williams finds himself in. Yesterday he was on, and yesterday this is Monday, February 22nd. He was on NFL Now on NFL.com. And he kind of gave the sense that he wants to stay in Green Bay, and he wants to stay bad, man. Here's some of the things he said, and I quote, I'm thinking about free agency, but I'd really love to just be a Packer all my life if I could. Oof. Right in the heart, man. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm right, you know, I'm right there with you. If it's a possibility, sure, let's go for it. He continues by saying, but you know, things happen. If things don't happen, then I'm just ready to take my shot into the free agency and show my skills to any team that's willing to take the chance on me. Close quote. Here's the question I'm going to pose up here, Will. Let's discuss. Should the Packers keep Williams? Or what should they do at their running back position in total? I know you have a strong opinion on this. I'll let you go, mm-hmm. and then I'll discuss it. So I guess I would open up my conversation or discussion on this would be if there was a decision to be made between Corey Lindsley or Aaron Jones, I'm taking Corey Lindsley. I agree. I'm yep. taking Corey Lindsley 10 times out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. I think that the protection of the best quarterback in the NFL is most important. I agree. And you can't be a good running back without a line, a good line in front of you. Yep. That being said, I don't think Jones is a bad running back. I think Jones is incredible. Oh, yeah. I think this is just kind of a crappy situation. Yeah. I really like Aaron Jones, and if they could afford to keep him, I would like, you know, I would love to see it, but there's also other major pieces that need to be filled major roles that need to be you know filled um so that being said i think they need to unfortunately let aaron jones walk and keep jamal williams Mm -hmm. i think i think that's the decision needs to be made to 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 that point jamal williams and aj Dillon have very complementary running styles they're both really north and south yeah I agree. Um, very, when when Jamal runs, man, he runs with steam. Yeah. Steam, like he is, he's a bowling ball. Those guys fall forward. Yeah. Now, I understand that it's good to have a elusive back and like and then a power back. Yeah. But I feel like Jamal could be, he could mold into that elusive back. With, yeah. With with a, with a little bit of a power, little you know, uh, dash of salt on it too. It's okay. You know? Sure, I like that. Um. Because I, I honestly think that A.J. Dillon could be the future of that running back spot. Yep. But right now, I think Jamal is going to take that number one spot. Let me add on to what you're saying. I think the element that this conversation has missed so far is that Aaron Jones is a heck of a running back. Mm-hmm. But how about his receiving the football? Oh, yeah. That's something that I haven't seen. We haven't seen the most of A.J. Dillon yet in the Packers uh, play. However, I think he does have that potential, and I think he has more potential to be better at it than 
Jamal Williams does. Yeah, and, and that's catching the football. And and that's one thing I wanted to mention too with the complementary skills is that Jamal can catch. Yep. You know? I think they both can. They both can. Decent. But I would say that Jones has made some more athletic catches in yeah. recent history. But they're both still pretty good. Here's the, here's part of it though. The Packers have used Jones as a receiver more than Jamal Williams, and I True. think there's a reason to that. I think they see a little bit more out of Jones. Obviously, he's more useful or more more productive as a receiver than Jamal Williams is. But I think that there is use and production for Jamal Williams. It's just what do you, you know, what do you, what what are your plans? Because if, if you re-sign Jones. You know, that's kind of saying A.J. Dillon's not going to be our number one. No, he wouldn't be either way. Yeah. He wouldn't be either way. You think if they let Aaron Jones walk and it's Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, Jamal's the number one? Yeah. Really? Yeah, hands oh, down. Okay. I I think maybe in two years A.J. AJ Dillon becomes that pre- premier back. That's but, interesting, yeah. But I want to see more out of him. I really liked what I saw. Maybe they're going to use next season as a way to ease him into it, is what right. you're saying? Right. I think they'll go full for it. You Me think so? personally, I think A.J. Dillon's going to be the number one. Just because they they obviously saw enough of him to draft him in the second round. True. And they used him in a way, especially in the Tennessee game, where he kind of broke out and made his name f- heard, made his presence felt. I think you know they try to ease him into that role. I say, if not right off the bat, I say before week eight, before the trade deadline, He'll be the number one. And the reality of the situation is is they drafted him well knowing what they're going to do in free agency this year. Yep. They drafted him knowing. And I think the fact decision. they haven't re-signed Aaron Jones yet kind of says something about it, too. Aaron Jones has rejected a contract, too, I believe. Yeah, extension. they had he, and, he, and he got a new agent in that period That's as well. That's right. Which yep. is usually a good sign. Yeah. Because they want to work something out. Good sign if you're the organization like the Packers. Right. Yep. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think Lindsay needs to get paid. Yes. And obviously, the Packers have a plan because they're releasing players in a way that they're trying to free up cap space and do nothing else. Christian Kirksey's gone. Who was the other one? Uh, Rick Wagner. Yep. He's gone. Reconstructing contracts. Um, who was the other guy they, they released? There was three of them. I didn't, see the other, I didn't see the third. I can look it up here. I know it was two just this last Friday, but I think there was one earlier in the offseason that they released. And I can't remember for the life of me who it is off the top of my head. I got you. All right. Will's getting into that. The point is that they're trying to open up some money somewhere. And I think they had to do that regardless. They're trying to open up some money so they can pay someone. I think it's Corey Lindsley. And I may think it's Jamal Williams. Although... The fact that they're still in conversation, Aaron Jones and the Packers, I think it's Aaron Jones. If I'm looking at this from like an unbiased standpoint here, I think the Packers want to pay Aaron Jones, pair him with A.J. Dillon, maybe try to squeeze Corey Lindsay's contract in there as well. If not, though, if not, I don't know what their plan is. I mean, they're obviously trying to free up some cap space somewhere. I couldn't find the third name, I'll by the get, way, but I wanted to talk about this for a second. I just wanted to say, big running back contracts freak me out. <laughs> sure. I don't yeah, think there is that conversation to be had as well. That you know, do you pay a running back second time around? Look at the Le'Veon Bell situation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Seriously, there's not many backs. Maybe Frank Gore. Yeah. You know, that would be the exception Adrian to Peterson? this. Adrian Peterson as well. LaShawn McCoy maybe too. There are. Very few times paying a running back big big money is, like, worth it. It didn't work out with Eddie Lacy. That's true. Sadly. Would have loved to see him for the entirety of his career, but such is reality. I can't find it either now. I don't think... Maybe there wasn't a third. I think you're you're probably recalling Bakhtiari. uh, Oh, that's what it was. Restructuring his contract. Yes, that's the move that it was. Thank you, Will. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's what it was. Yeah, so you see the argument that I'm trying to be had here. They're making they're making moves. They're, they they have something in the works here. Right. They're trying to free up cap space big time for some for a certain move, and no one has any sign or direction as to what it is just yet. So it'll be interesting to see. Of course, JJ Watt's still out there. I think it's not likely that they land JJ Watt because 
I mean, he's going to cost a lot, a lot of money as well, frowns and pouts. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe he'll come here for free. Yeah, you know what? Sure. I'd yeah. pay I'd pay a J.J. Watt tax, like 10 bucks a month, goes towards J.J. Watt's contract from the city of Green Bay. <laughs> Will would? Yeah, okay. Yeah, get the owners in on it, the, the yeah, people. I'm sure we could do that. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's, uh, that, that'll wrap up that conversation. It'll be interesting to see what the Packers do in free agency. If Jamal Williams does walk, could he be a number one somewhere? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Jamal's going to be, if he stays, he'll be the number one back, at least for a year. I disagree with at you. At least. I think if he stays, he'll be the number one back until like week five in Green Bay. And if he walks, I don't know if he can land a number one position. I think he could. Man, he'd go to like... There's like I could probably could name eight teams he could land on that he could be a starting back. Mm. We're gonna have to look into that a little bit more. Jamal Williams in Buffalo. Who do they have as their running back? Devin Singletary. Yeah, I don't know. Not yeah. sure. I mean, I think that's there are, there are a lot of teams too with good double headed monsters. Yeah. So there's that to consider as well. Yeah. But I think Jamal runs hard, man. He runs like a bull. There, there's yeah. not many backs that run as aggressive. Running backs today kind of run around you and try to fake you out. Right. Jamal Williams runs to you and through, through you. you. <laughs> yeah. That was almost like we practiced that. <laughs> we did not. We don't practice on the Tony G Show. I just do my homework and we fly. All right. That'll conclude this episode of the Tony G Show. Episode number 94, Will. Fun one. couple weeks, we're going to be at number one on it. Actually, yeah, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> that's nuts. That's too close. I can't wait. I can't wait for it. Also, go listen to the Tim Bald episode, a special podcast cover. You can see it on Spotify. I don't think it shows up on Apple Podcasts for some reason. I don't know why. No, it, it was up there for me. It was? Yeah. Okay. Okay. If not, I tweeted it at Tony G Show. Hit up Will at Willis5312 for any of your uh, takes or needs or what have you. That'll conclude it, Will. I'll see you Thursday. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. See you Thursday. Tony G Show. Tony G Show.